Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero and Sean Starr. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPICS for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Marinero, Sean Starr, the Sick Podcast Hockey Edition, Montreal Canadiens talk. And of course, the Sick Podcast brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPICS for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. How you doing, my man? Good to see you again, Tony. Always good, especially considering one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Is actually the team we cover at length. Say hello to the Bleu Blanc Rouge. Say hello to everyone's favorite team. Yes, the Montreal Canadiens. Tony are the talk of the town. They are. At the time of this recording, the Montreal Canadiens have a record of 5-0-2. We are recording on Friday before their second game versus the Calgary Flames in which the Montreal Canadiens will host again at the Bell Centre. The Canadiens coming off of a 4-2 win in their Bell Centre opener, the only team in the National Hockey League or... What is it? What's that record again in terms of uh, best ways to start a season? But anyway, they're undefeated in regulation. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's it's got everyone wondering about two things, I think. Where the North Division ranks amongst the rest of the divisions in the league this season and the argument about it being A, the worst, or B, not the worst, and C, and B, is whether or not the Montreal Canadiens are feasting on those weak teams in the North Division and that if they contended, Tony, with the likes of Colorado or Tampa Bay or Boston, that they would have their uh, lunch handed to them. So that's the main thing. That's what the haters are coming at when we talk about the 5-0-2 Canadians. And not only do they beat teams, I mean, they put them out of business. I mean, they're really cruising by teams. There are very few games so far in the seven that we've seen where it's like, ooh, you're on the edge of your seat. Listen, um, I think there's a little bit of truth to that, that if the Montreal Canadiens would be in a division that has Colorado, that has Tampa Bay, and possibly, yes, the Boston Bruins, that they probably would have lost a game or two in regulation by now. The fact of the matter is the Montreal Canadiens are a team that one year ago, had it not been for COVID, would not have made the playoffs. They made the play-in. They won in their play-in, advancing to the playoffs. The Canadiens are much, much, much improved. And I think that's what we have to focus on. Some of the things that have let them down in the past, the ability to score goals, that has been corrected with the additions of Toffoli and the additions of Anderson and what they've done to their respective lines. Um, The fact that they were a small team, they're no longer a small team. And you add Corey Perry and you add Toffoli and you add Anderson, you add Edmondson on defense. Jake Allen thus far in the season has as many wins as the most wins a Montreal Canadiens goaltender, backup goaltender, had all of last season. The fact, Tony, the fact that their special teams has now morphed into an area that actually saves them in games as opposed to hurting them in, in games is one of the biggest turnarounds I've seen in my years covering this team. The fact that they have five shorthanded goals five games in is obviously completely unsustainable. But, you know, here's what I would say to those that are wondering about the legitimacy of the Canadians' 5-0-2 record is, granted, I'll give you the fact that Edmonton, Vancouver, Ottawa, these teams are not of the upper echelon, certainly not in the conversation. But nevertheless, they dealt with Edmonton, back-to-back MVP awards. Did Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid have anything to say in any of the games they played? One assist. Elias Pettersson, the Vancouver Canucks. 
I mean, did we really see him take anything over at any point in the three games against Vancouver? Um, moving down the list, Sean Monahan, Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk, any of those guys really, really send a message. And Calgary, I'll give the Flames the benefit of the doubt as the most structured, well-balanced team compared to everybody outside of Toronto that the Montreal Canadiens have faced. Mm-hmm. So while I'll, I'll grant those that Montreal is not Colorado and they're not Tampa Bay and they're not Boston, they've still managed to keep some of the best players, the best player in the world, completely in check in the first month of the season. And I fall back to the words of Mark Bergevin after he made all the moves and he talked about the transition and the bubble experience when he said, we'll play any way you want to play. So you want to play physical, you want to play fast, you want to play lockdown, you want to play goaltender versus goaltender. Uh, No matter what style of of game, the Montreal Canadiens, I think, are now fully equipped to tangle with anybody. I'm not saying they could beat Colorado in a best of seven, Tony, but they're they're good. They're, They're better than just being a team in the North Division. Sean, they're starting, in my opinion, anyway, and of course there's going to be differences. There always are. There are no teams that are exactly alike. But the Canadians are starting to resemble more and more the St. Louis Blues that won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. I believe that Montreal Canadiens have more scoring than that team did, but that team had more experience at the center ice position when you took a look at O'Reilly and Shen and Bozak. So there's differences, of course. I, you know, so you're, but they're trying to win it with four lines. Yes. No matter which line they throw at you is a line that it can actually do damage against you. There's no line that has a complex. And there are guys that can take, you know, not a night off, but there are guys that even if they have a night where they don't produce, they could still end up winning the hockey game anyway. Look, case in point, case in point. Carey Price is off to the worst start or one of the worst starts in his pro career. He's got a safe percentage under 900. Yeah. The Canadians are undefeated in regulation. Yeah, that's the Phillip best news. Deneau is not the Philip Deneau that he was a year ago. It looks like the contract or lack or lack of a contract for him is maybe playing in his head and all that stuff. The Canadians are undefeated in the regular season. It doesn't matter who's slumping or who's not playing as well as they can because the Canadians have depth to get by. And what you saw on Thursday night versus Calgary, two power play goals, four goals in the game, one shorthanded goal uh, on 21 shots, is they have something now. Not only do they now have quick strike offense, they also have opportunistic play. They no longer need 15 scoring chances to score a goal. The Canadians now, with seven scoring chances, might be able to score three. Why? Because they have scoring up and down their lineup. This was a big, big Achilles heel for this team over the last, I don't know, at least a decade, the Canadians now, they can score. You know, you talked about Phil Deneau, and, and obviously, considering how well Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Drouin, Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson with his four goals, and Phil Deneau feels left out of the conversation. And I think you touched on something interesting when you talked about how perhaps it's affecting his game. I think you're right. I think you're onto something. And the reports of him out there uh, allegedly turning down a, a six-year $30 million offer. Here's what I could tell you. Uh, late this summer, I spoke to somebody close with the Montreal Canadiens, very close with the Montreal Canadiens. And I could tell you what their attitude is about Phil Deneau. They have all the leverage in the world and they know it. And Phil Deneau knows it. Phil Deneau 
from the province of Quebec, a French-speaking member of the Montreal Canadiens, one of, what, two currently outside of Jonathan Drouin on the team. And the Montreal Canadiens know that. And they know that, that Phil Deneau wants to be a Montreal Canadian, and he knows that his stock will be the highest it'll ever be here in Montreal in terms of what he can earn off the ice. Capiche? Yeah. And they know that. So their attitude with Phil Deneau is very businesslike. And my understanding, what I've been told more or less, is that they treat Phil Deneau like a rental player. They have him on a contract year, and this was in the summer. And the thinking at the time was that if Phil Deneau and the Canadians don't really work out and the Canadians are cold, and they're not living up to expectations, they're going to move him. They're going to move him as a rental player, and they're going to be able to build assets for it. So there was really no risk in, in, in really being aggressive or feeling desperate by going out and extending Phil Deneau. So I think his cold streak and the fact that he's not part of the group, Tony, that's you know really impressing everybody, it doesn't bode well. I think, it's, I think it's a misstep. I think he made a bad maneuver. I think that six-year, $30 million contract, if it's true, I can't say that if it's true or not. I, I think if that's true, he should have signed it. How do you feel? Uh, I'm not so sure that he should have signed it. And I'm going to tell you why as much as the Canadians feel they have the leverage and right now they do they're winning and, you know, it'd be good if guys could take maybe a little bit less so that they can keep the team as competitive as they can for a couple of years. And they're no longer as reliant on the He's no longer as important to them as he was a year ago. Granted, I take all of that. Here's the way I see it. He's still at a good age. Uh, he keeps well. He's still a good player. Sure. He's a valuable player to the team. He's asking for 5.7. They've offered 5 million. It's business. They'll settle in between. As, as they should. And look, I would compromise. I would find that in between. The Montreal Canadiens would make a mistake if they decide to move on from Phil Deneau. Because if this team is going to build off this momentum they've found here in January, and we go into February, and they're still pretty good, and the Montreal Canadiens are going to do something, and maybe not this year, but maybe next year, Tony, good teams need Phil Deneau. Good teams that win Stanley Cups have Phil Deneau a depth guy who can dominate in a face-off circle, who's extremely responsible in the defensive zone, who's not a liability. He's a trustworthy player no matter who his coach is. Everybody respects Phil Deneau's game. It is about depth. Tony, you've covered the NHL as a fan, as someone in the media for a really long time. Same thing for me. And we know the recipe. It's, it's, it's not you know Kentucky Fried Chicken secret recipe. We know what it takes to build a Stanley Cup winner. We know the players required. Phil Deneau, had- in my Phil Deneau, Tony, in my opinion, is part of that. He's part of that. Haven't had KFC in a long time, by the way. Listen, still love the risk. I, I'm a. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a total sellout. I don't. I don't want to throw KFC under the bus here, uh, yeah. because if they want to, uh, you know, sponsor the sick podcast. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be more than happy to talk about KFC. Yeah. So, so if you're listening, KFC, uh, turn off the volume right now for one second. Whoa. I hate Kentucky Fried Chicken. I, I think it's the worst fast food option in the world. Oh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. But I, other than turn the volume up, 
Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to endorse any product, Tony, yeah, any product you give me. I got it. I got it. But I still haven't had it in a while for whatever, for whatever reason that is. But anyway. Okay. So now on the other hand, though, there is something to think about. Okay. Everyone plays Mark Bergevin as well. They should. And the team that he's assembled because he recognized where the Canadians uh, lacked depth and he, re, you know, he recognized which players to go out and get. And he went out and he executed. Fantastic. There are some contracts that are going to be up in the next couple of years here. Yes. And besides Phil Deneau's, and one of which is going to be Kakanyemi's, and another one of which is going to be Nick Suzuki's. Uh, these contracts are going to be up in a couple of years. Yoamar Mia's contract is going to be up at the end of the year, as we know, as is Thomas Tatar's contract. That's a lot of money now. It's a lot of money adding up. There, there's something's bound to give. Now, I've always thought that it would be Tatar. And I continue to think that because of Tatar's age and because they have someone who can fill in on the top two lines at left wing, more so than they would have someone who can fill in as a centerman doing what Dano does, I do believe that Tatar will be sacrificed at some point. Having said all that, it's still going to be interesting to see how the numbers are all going to fit if Mark Bergevin is going to be able to make this fit. Because if Kakinyemi and Suzuki play the way they've been playing, yeah. In the last five games, especially, they're going to be due for a pretty nice race. You know what I would do? Yeah. I would ask uh, Shea Weber. I w- what? You'd ask me. I would ask Shea Weber to move his no move, and I would leave him unprotected for the Kraken. Whoa. Yeah. You'd move Shea Weber? I would try. That's that, that that would be a move I would contemplate. Sean, Sean, I hear you, but they're doing this to try and win the cup. They're put they put together the team that they put together to try and win the cup. Correct. Now everyone would love for it to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, they're still gonna try next year when Weber is gonna be 36 and price is gonna be 34. And they're probably gonna try the year after when Weber is gonna be 37 and price is gonna be 35. But if your way of making sure that everyone fits is finding a taker for Shea Weber, well, then you're not going to win the cup without Shea Weber. You well, won't. You're, you're going to need goals. You're going to need to fit out. Listen, I'm not so quick to uh, to dismiss Tatar off the hop here. Not so quick yet. I mean, you, you, you're going to need goals, Tony. You're you're going to need to find them somewhere. I and as of right now, Nick Suzuki and Kakinemi still have something to show to, to suggest that they are beyond the bridge offer. If Mark Bergevin is going to go out, this organization loves to bridge guys. Yeah, you take Suzuki, you take Kakinyemi, you take uh, Brendan Gallagher, you take uh, Josh Anderson, you take Tyler Toffoli, you take Jonathan Drouin. You should have your share of goals. Anyway, it'll give us something to talk about between now and the rest of the hockey season, which is a real good one so far. You're listening to the Sick Podcast brought to you by Sick Picks for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Or brought to you by my bookie, pardon me, the, the. the code is sick picks. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPICKS for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid.